Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Game Talk Radio. I'm Greg, as always, with you hosting, and my co-host again this week is my good friend John. John, how are you today? I am good. He's good. He's good. It's always (laughs) 50-50. Good or tired. (laughs) I'm going to say this right away just because it's really close to when the the intro music just ended, Uh, but like... I know you don't listen to any other podcasts pretty much, uh, but I listen to a ton of podcasts. Mm-hmm. And so like, I'll be listening to a podcast and it'll end. And then sometimes like Stitcher, uh, the app I use, will just start a new podcast. And so like all of a sudden the intro music to our podcast will start playing and I'll be like, God, I like this song. And then I'll be like, oh shit, my own voice is coming up. I need to turn this off. <laughs> <laughs> Do you really not like your own voice that much? I, well, because, like, you know how your your voice in your head sounds one way, but then when you hear it recorded, it generally sounds completely different. Did, is that a feeling that you have as well? No. Or am I just crazy? You you Your voice in your head is exactly the way it sounds on recording? Yeah, I mean, but I would say that for a long time, uh, years and years ago, I didn't like the sound of my voice. Like, years and years ago. But now, I, I don't know if it's just because I've gotten used to it and I listen to it so much with when I do all my editing and everything that yeah, maybe I, I just don't notice it anymore. But yeah, I don't, I don't have that issue. I did initially, but it goes away pretty quick. Yeah. I, I feel like I sound like a nasally bitch. So, I mean, uh. <laughs> you do, but it's yeah, fine. <laughs> it's hard to accept. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, it's, it's what it do. It's totally fine. I think you sound fine. I don't think there's any problems there. I'm sure everybody out there loves you too. All I get are compliments. I mean, I got 400 (laughs) pairs of underwear mailed to us specifically for you. uh, From one guy. To the P.O. box, yeah. from from, (laughs) It said, hey, give these all to John because his (laughs) voice is so sexy. So that's, you know, that's what it is. Uh, So we got a couple things to talk about on the podcast today. We're going to be talking about, well, video games, of course. But John has an interesting story about when he was at GameStop and how he had to... GameStop and hedge funds. GameStop, hedge... Well, well, we're talking... Well, yes. So that's kind of related. And then, yes. So we have your story. Sorry. Getting all wrapped up in things. We we want to touch upon the GameStop Wall Street stuff that's going on uh, because that saga continues. Uh, we, we had made a couple weeks ago, we did our last podcast. We made a guess as to where we thought the price would be. And so we're going to revisit that. We have two stories we want to talk about. The first one is a company called the Embracer Group. And it was announced that they had merged with Gearbox. And Gearbox make like publishes and creates Borderlands and they made Brothers in Arms and they whole whole bunch of other properties. Gearbox was always kind of like a low level to mid level publisher. They weren't really indie, but they weren't like an EA or an Activision or anything. And then there was an article that came out that said they merged with Embracer Group, which is kind of funny because it's very similar to how GameStop merged with EB Games back in the day. So we're gonna talk about that. And then we're going to talk about, it just broke this morning that hackers hacked, and this is not a joke, it's on Onion Heart article, that hackers hacked CD Projekt Red's, um, like their Perforce server, got files, like um, got extended files for all their properties. So Cyberpunk, Witcher 3, also apparently also have a whole bunch of uh, private information about employees, and they basically held the company ransom and they said if you don't give us what we want then we're going to release all this information to the public we're going to contact journalists we're going to do everything we're going to destroy your reputation by releasing this damaging information so we're going to talk about that and we're going to talk about what happened and we're going to talk about the ethics of that 
especially in the journalistic side. Um, and then that's and then we've got our pickup piles of the week. We've got our games of the week, and that'll be it. Then we'll be out of here, and that'll be another another week down, and uh, and another week closer to our two hundredth episode, which is mind boggling sometimes <laughs> when I think about that number. Uh, even though I don't think we really have anything special planned for it. So to start it all off, then John, I want to go to you. You really want you, you kind of brought it to me. You said, "Hey, maybe it's a good week to tell the story," and I agreed. So go ahead and hit us with it. So kind of kind of lay it lay it out first before you tell the story kind of what it's about because even I'm a little in the dark about it. So kind of ease us in with a little bit of a, a summary and then hit us with the full story. Yeah. So So years ago, uh, this is probably like 2 or 3 years ago, I was working at the uh, GameStop in the Bay Park Square Mall and I had a guy show up and he had a like inch thick stack of papers and i was like what is going or what is this so he comes up to me and he, he's like i want to buy three thousand dollars worth of ebay gift cards and i was like <laughs> what <laughs> and the 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 inch stack of paper that he had was small denomination gamestop digital gift cards for like five to ten to twenty five dollars and so they were printed off on like regular printer paper yes and he had hundreds of them like it's just a massive amount like if i were to guess he probably had 10 grand worth of worth of money on these printed out gift cards uh, like each of them had one barcode on each piece of paper. N- nothing so, screams a legitimate sales to me, like a thousand printed off sheets of gift card paper. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> so anytime somebody came to me and was like, "I want to buy a high dollar gift card," that was huge red flags. Because um, I mean, if you're let's let's say you're buying a Christmas gift for your kid or your your nephew or whatever you're probably going to buy them either the thing they wanted or asked for, or you're going to buy them something to get them halfway there. You're not going to like, if they, if they say I want an Xbox one, you're not going to buy them a $700 gift card. You're going to probably buy them around the cost of the console. Are you going to buy them the system? So high value gift cards are weird. Mm -hmm. And so when the guy asked for three grand, I knew immediately there was no way in hell I was going to sell him anything that day. <laughs> not not um, even not not anything. <laughs> n- yes, um, because because right away it was super suspicious. So I told him I'm like for that uh, for that amount I'm going to have to go call my district manager and get get approval. So I stepped in back and I had my assistant manager cover the sales floor, and I stepped in back and I did not call my district manager because he's an idiot. Um, and so, so instead (laughs) who I called was, um, GameStop has a internal phone number that they can call. And I like to refer to them as GameStop Jesus, because if you're a store manager and you have a customer service issue, those people can solve pretty much any customer service issue that you can think of. That's, that's not like somebody having a problem with an employee. Like if, if, if like a code didn't redeem properly for Xbox Live or something like that, 
or like somebody lost the receipt that had an, a redemption code on it, you can call them and you can get that information. And so they're super, super helpful. And the other thing that they can do is they can look into customer profiles. So this guy, the one of the, before I stepped in back, I looked up his Power Up Rewards account because he had one. <laughs> and his Power Up Rewards account had about 1.5 million points on it. And that is insane. <laughs> yes, it is. Because that is a huge Gabe's, amount of points. Yeah, GameStop's point system sucks ass. So if, like, I think, what were my lifetime points? Remember when I had a whole bunch? Because in the early days of me being gone, I bought a whole bunch of stuff. And, like, I think I had, like, 250,000. And that was th- astronomical. Uh, for the amount of time I worked there, um, they, they for some reason, reset my points at one point um, when I got a new card. But uh, I think my lifetime points probably would have added up to about 1.2 million. Okay. <laughs> and I bought a shitload of stuff. Right. So this guy had about 1.5. And I was just like, holy balls. And then on, on the transaction, like on the computer screen, you can also see the last five things that the person has purchased. Um, and so looking down on that, it was all eBay gift card. So with the customer's information, I stepped in the back and I called that customer service number and I asked them a couple questions. I'm like, Hey, I got a really weird customer here. He wants to buy the three grand worth of eBay gift cards. Can you tell me, has this guy ever bought anything besides eBay gift cards? And they're like, he's bought eBay gift cards and he's bought Amazon gift cards, and that is it. So, really, and I'm like, if I can cut you off real quick, so yeah. you get points for buying gift cards? That kind of doesn't make sense. Yes. Yeah, you do. Interesting. Okay. Okay, carry on. Um. So, so yeah, he's got. He only buys eBay and Amazon gift cards. I was like, has this guy ever paid for these purchases with anything besides GameStop gift cards? And they're like, no, he has never used any form of currency besides digital GameStop gift cards. And I was like, what the hell? Pretty strange. This I'm is with super you. weird. So then the other thing I asked them was, when, when were the last few transactions that he did? Uh, because he's got a lot of points. Like, how often does he do this? And they're like, so I'm... The, the, the store I'm working at is in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Uh, they're like, well, he was in uh, Appleton, and he bought about $2,000 worth of eBay gift cards today. Uh, <laughs> and then he was in Fond du Lac, and he bought about $1,500 worth of eBay gift cards today. And he was in Milwaukee, and he bought about $2,000 worth of eBay gift cards today. And he was in Champaign, Illinois, and he bought about $3,000 of the eBay gift cards today. So what you're saying is not a single other manager caught that at all. No right. one thought it was weird. No one called it in. They just rang him up for his gift cards, scanned in all the thousands of sheets of paper of gift cards. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Interesting. So, so I was like, what the fuck? This guy has spent like $15,000 on eBay gift cards in the last 24 hours. And he came, he started in Illinois and he went North until he got to me. This is fucking weird. 
Very and weird. So, yeah, lots of good. I mean, good on you for catching those red flags. Cause I mean, yes, that's very weird, but it also takes another step of actually caring about your job to do something right. about it. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was the one really weird thing about me is I, I really actually gave a shit quite a bit. Um, <laughs> so, so I went out and I told the customer, I was like, Hey, um, I talked to my district manager and, and unfortunately he said that, uh, that I'm not able to make such a large trend do such a large transaction. And he's like, well, I can buy less. And I'm like, no, we're, we're good. <laughs> Have a good day. Uh, <laughs> he, you can buy less so, as in, you know, zero. <laughs> yeah. None. Uh, so he left. And after he left, I called the other two game stops and I was like, do not fucking sell this guy. Anything. Um, do not sell him any, any Amazon gift cards, eBay gift cards, nothing. So what I'm, what I think he was doing was that, there is a there's an online gift card purchaser called Cardpool. That's their friendly name, and uh, they also go by Blackhawk Network. And so, if you have a gift card that you do not want, you can sell it to Blackhawk Network. And the their different retailers have different exchange rates. So a GameStop gift card worth five hundred dollars might be worth. 300 or 400 dollars on blackhawk network and so you would sell that 500 dollars gift card to them they would give you 300 dollars, and then you could spend it um well amazon and ebay gift cards have a much higher value in the aftermarket so like it's almost dollar amazon, for dollar probably yes yeah it's like it's like 95 percent. so if you're selling a 500 dollars amazon gift card or ebay gift card you're maybe getting $480 versus $300 for a GameStop card. So the those cards are much more valuable. So that's what I assumed he was doing. Now, after he left, I started looking into him a little bit because I still had his profile on my computer, and it was a slow night. So <laughs> I looked him up on Facebook, and on Facebook, it listed that he worked at a hedge fund. And so I went to the hedge funds website and it did have him listed as a, as a, uh, employee of the hedge fund. And I was like, hedge fund and employee doing some sort of, uh, I would say this is uh, money laundering. So, so you're, you're putting steps between whatever the hell you did and the eventual, cash coming to you so whatever wherever he got the ebay or the the gamestop gift cards he turned some money into some gamestop gift cards then he turns them into ebay gift cards and then he turns those ebay gift cards into cash um so the fact that he worked at a hedge fund and did what is essentially money laundering sent up red flags to me even more so i was like this is freaking weird so i was like who can I talk to that's going to give a shit about this? I'm going to call the local police and they're going to be like, I don't know what the hell, what, what do you want me to do about it? He's gone. <laughs> right. Um, so I was like, well, this sounds like money laundering. So let's call the FBI. Um, so I Googled the FBI and I called the FBI and I talked to uh, somebody at, that answered the phone and they're like, well, this isn't really our area of expertise. We don't, we don't cover that sort of thing. I was like, okay. So, Hung up, dead end. 
I'm I don't really let things go. I, um, I like I like when, how they didn't recommend you to anybody else, right? Like the FBI no, wasn't saying no. like, well, here's here's where you can go. They're just like, we don't do that. Go, like, go fuck off and go talk to somebody yeah. else. <laughs> I got shit to do. Well, <laughs> we are we are covering up alien invasions. We don't have time for your goddamn low Ex- low level money. Longer. Exactly. Um. So so after I reached that dead end, I was like, who else? could i call so i did some more googling and i was like who is in charge of getting hedge fund or making sure hedge funds are following laws and and not doing shady shit and so i called up the securities and exchange commission which is in charge of um hedge or policing hedge funds basically and so i talked to somebody uh at the securities exchange commission and when I was talking to them about this guy's behavior, they had the exact opposite reaction of the, of the FBI. They were super, (laughs) super interested in this guy and what he was doing. Um, they, the, they, I'm like, am I crazy? Like bringing this to you? Like, is this, am I a crackpot? Like what the hell? And they're like, no, this is super, super suspicious. And, uh, thank you very much for bringing it to me. And I was like, yeah, no problem. So I gave him all that information. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> and uh, about two days later, I, I looked at this guy's uh, LinkedIn profile and his, uh, his Facebook and stuff and the, the hedge fund website, and he was no longer listed as an employee at any of these places. Oh, no. So, so yeah, I think that guy might have been up to something. Man, why why are you uh why you why are you trying to ruin on people's hustles, John? You know, people are just trying to eat, trying to eat. Yeah. So let me ask you this: like, realistically, let's let's break let's let me break this down with my logic. What it sounds like is, and forget the hedge fund thing for a moment. He say you had a a thousand bucks, you could go mm-hmm. onto these aftermarket gift cards and you could buy a thousand dollars, like spend a thousand dollars on GameStop gift cards. You might get what two thousand dollars, right? So then you take the $2,000 in eBay gift cards, or then you take the $2,000 in GameStop gift cards, you buy 2000 in eBay gift cards, you sell those then for, let's say, eighteen to 1700 Then you use the 1700 to buy more game. Like, it could be legitimate, like, with the way the balance goes, because there's an extra step, right, where he has to go to a store and actually get the gift cards that are worth more money, you know, because there, that's, you know. So, so I mean, I'm not saying that you didn't do it. That. I think it's called a push um so like there's there's definitely people that do the sorts of things like that but it's not like not to that degree sure i mean it was a lot the dollar values that that guy was doing and also like where is he getting like like the where's he getting the money like it to me it seemed like he was doing some sort of embezzling scheme uh, and the fact that he was going, like the fact that he was willing to drive 300 miles in a day to do this is super, super weird. Oh, totally. I- I'm not disagreeing with any of that. I'm just saying like, I-, I could see that being like a thing that people would do, but you're right. This was still an extreme case and you did the right thing. If you have a question about it, you report it to the proper people and then you let them deal with it. It's not like, you know, you went and like did a citizen's arrest on the guy and rest him in front of his family while they're eating dinner or something like he, right. you know you reported it to the proper authorities and maybe or maybe something didn't happen you don't know uh who knows well, maybe the guy was... like went underground when they started sniffing around you don't know and, and who knows maybe the guy maybe the guy was 
like hadn't worked at those companies for a long time. And when they, when the SEC started sniffing around, then they were like, well, let's scrub them from everything because we forgot to before or something. You never know. There are a million possibilities. Yeah. Well, but like before this guy showed up, like about a month before there was a lady that came in and tried something very similar as well. She didn't try it to the denomination degree that he did, but she tried to do kind of the same thing. She had, she again had paper gift cards and we denied her as well. And she tried pushing it and was like, well, why? Like, what if like, well, I'm I'm doing this for my boss. And I was like, what? Your, your Your boss? boss? (laughs) This is an official task by a job. You're getting paid to commit (laughs) a felony. (laughs) So I'm kind of wondering if, if this man was the boss. Well, but yeah, we never, sure. we never saw that or that sort of thing again. Um, and then shortly after that, uh, they stopped allowing you to buy gift cards with gift cards. Thank uh, you. Because that's that's one of the things that I told the um, the GameStop customer support guys. I'm like, we really should be nipping this in the bud because there's a lot of weird activity going on with gift cards and. GameStop for a while was actually working with the the Cardpool Blackhawk network. So like for like six months, you could if you had a gift card, you could go into GameStop and sell it to GameStop and yeah, and get money from it. And uh, we stopped working with that company probably six months after it began because it like it seemed super shady. Like I'm I'm pretty sure that it probably brought up some very unsavory things somewhere because it was very quick. All of a sudden we're like, Oh, we have nothing to do with Blackhawk network. Yeah. Well, so a couple things. Um, so I've, I've been approached by those companies before asking if I want to be a business that buys gift cards back. Okay. And then like, cause there, there are businesses that do that. And then they partake, like I could say, okay, I'll buy these gift cards for 30% value. They're going to pay me 50% value. And it's all just, you know, zip zap zoom and it's like all done easy peasy just make money for practically doing nothing i hate that as well Mm. i think it's super shady more so and i can't say this for sure on gamestop's end but i know that there are a lot of legalities when it comes to like outstanding gift card balances and stuff like that like you you don't just write that stuff off so there is something there maybe too like it ended up being maybe a tax nightmare for them like with all these outstanding credits or maybe they couldn't keep track of what was outstanding and what wasn't whatever i think a lot of uh, a lot of people. So there's a lot of scammers out, and they prey on old people. Oh sure. And and the scammers will get old people to buy things like iTunes gift cards. And uh, I've I've stopped probably four or five elderly and older people from getting further scammed by people. Uh, they they'll call them and they'll they'll pretend to be a family member that's in trouble or they'll call and pretend to be the FBI or the IRS. And they'll, they'll be like, Hey, you're going to go to jail or, or your family member is going to go to jail unless you provide us with a thousand dollars worth of iTunes gift cards. And so these people will be scared and they'll go do it. And then once the thieves get the first amount from you, they ask for more. Yeah. So they, once they realize that they've got a sucker on the line, they'll, they'll ask for an additional amount and, and they'll keep doing it until they can get everything out of you that they can. 
And so iTunes gift cards are like a, of another card that's very, very valuable in the aftermarket. And unfortunately, so I had a lady that came in and she, she wanted to buy a large gift card from me. And, and I, I declined to sell it to her because I was like, well, what is it for? And she's like, well, it's, it's for my grand, my grandson. I'm, I'm buying $1,500 worth of iTunes money for my grandson. I'm like, I was like, uh, ma'am, I, I don't believe that. Uh, that's a lot of money on iTunes. And I'm like, I told her, I'm like, if you, if you're willing to let the police department come and if, if you want, if you talk to them and you still want to buy the gift cards from me after that, then I will sell them to you. And, uh, she was furious at me. Um, and the police came and they, they talked to her and it turned out she was being scammed. And, and so the, those, when we talked to her, so I didn't sell her anything, but she had just come from Walmart and she had cleared out Walmart's gift cards, mm-hmm. uh, of all the hundred dollar gift cards they had. And so she still had them. And I called iTunes with her in the store and I asked them, I asked the customer service. I was like, Hey, we've got a lady here that just got scammed. Like she bought a bunch of gift cards. Like, can you freeze the gift cards by with me having giving you the, the numbers on the gift cards? Can you freeze them and do any sort of return? And iTunes was like, no, nope, not at all. Yeah. Apple. Uh, Yeah. yeah, Once, once gift cards are redeemed, they are toast. And I was like, that is awful. Like, because in my in my opinion, Apple knows this crap is happening, and they're allowing it to. They're facilitating. It. There there should be a recourse for somebody that that has gotten scammed like that to to get their money back. It it shouldn't just be instantaneous because like when that lady gave the the digits to the person on the phone, they're gone immediately. Like they, mm-hmm. they do something with those numbers where they're, they're toast and you can't do anything to get them back. And right. It, Cause they, they get redeemed like sucks. instantly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's like, it's like if this money is just sitting on an iTunes account, freeze the freaking account. Like it's that, that used to make my blood boil because it would always be some jerk across the world preying on some elderly person and it's just yeah. the worst. Well, so I don't, I don't dis, I don't disagree with you on that. I, I mean, they're a, they're a target, and sadly, they're an easy target when it comes to stuff like this, and it really sucks. I can't necessarily put the blame on Apple for that. Um, and here's the weird thing too, and I don't know about, I can't speak for Walmart in that instance, but whenever I try to go buy a gift card, because I like to give gift cards for all my gifts, I can't buy more than like three or four hundred dollars in gift cards at a time like visa gift cards like they just won't let you like the stores won't let you so it's funny interesting that that gamestop like they and because they used to specifically tell them to go to gamestop didn't they because i think you've told me the story before with the old lady like didn't they actually say go to gamestop because one either they knew the employees didn't care most of the employees i should say or two they just knew that there wasn't like a set automatic block in place to prevent like these huge gift card sales yeah the before that lady showed up I had a I had a guy call me and he asked me 
the only thing he asked me was like, do you sell $500 uh, iTunes gift cards? And I was like, yes. And then, okay, thank you. Click. Um, and then 30 minutes later, this lady showed up and she wanted to buy three of them. And I was like, no. Yeah. Well, and <laughs> the, the, the reason I put a little blame on Apple though, is that they know that this sort of scam is happening. And I feel like there should be, things in place that they can do on their end to put a stop to it a little bit or yeah. to assist when somebody gets into that situation. Because that lady, that lady spent thousands of dollars on this crap already and couldn't afford that. Yeah. But she, yeah, it sucks. I mean, but some, some lessons, even at that age, you learn the hard way, you know, but I yeah. agree. Like Apple could probably do more like, if not let you redeem more than a certain amount, like every hour or something, you know, like maybe a hundred dollars per hour. But yeah. I mean, there are people that, that do buy like, you know, I, iTunes gift cards or the app store gift cards and use them like a lot, you know, and use them a lot. Yeah. In the instance. whales so, on like there's, free there's to play some, games like well, Clash and shit. Well, sure. I mean, there's, there's that, but there are people I think that, you know, that yes, I mean, you would just buy, would buy a lot of stuff on there, whether it's that or whether it's, other other apps you know um yeah but i mean it's i always say i always applaud you for that you know that you go out of your way to try to help somebody man i mean it's most most people obviously none of the gamestop stores cared with this get back to the sec guy like no none of the other gamestops cared enough to even bl- bat an eye at it they just did it and went right. along their day and They're so like, sweet you know, we just added three grand to the pnl today yeah <laughs> which actually is funny because that doesn't really add any anything i mean like, yeah, it's it's like five bucks per hundred, I think, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I mean, that. you shouldn't get. I mean, I don't even know how. I forget how they how they show up. I mean, it doesn't show up as sales. Like when I sell gift cards, it doesn't show up as sales. But obviously, the money goes into our account from it selling the up, gift cards. So it showed up as sales on GameStop's uh, computer for the day. So, like, if somebody came in and bought ten thousand dollars worth of gift cards that day, mm. it would show that you had a ten thousand dollar day. But then, when you actually looked at the the profit statement for the day, it would like if it was only that ten thousand dollars that was that was sold, you might see like fifty bucks. Like, yeah. was yeah. the actual value of that transaction? Hmm. Yeah, that's asinine. Well, and so the last thing I'll say about that is it never it never ceases to amaze me the the lengths that criminals will go to pull off a con. So when I worked at that same store. We had a really weird situation where somebody came up to the counter one day with a factory sealed PS2 and it was, this would have been when the PS2, maybe the PS3 had either just come out or was about to come out. So the PS2 was still a popular system. I think they were selling for 149 for a brand new one. Okay. And so 149 or 179. And so he, he brought it to the counter and it was brand new and factory sealed. And our policy always was, yeah, we don't buy brand new sealed stuff. And then people always say, oh, can I take it out and open it and then bring it back in? And I'm like, no, because you just brought it to me sealed and I'm not an idiot. We can't take it unless you have your original purchase receipt. Then we don't want it. And he goes, oh, okay, I have that. And he pulls out a receipt out of his pocket from Shopco where he bought the PlayStation 2. I matched the serial numbers. Everything was matched. And okay. I was like, well, okay so we bought it i'm like i don't know you know he's he's like well i want to return it but they won't give me cash back and i need cash so i think we gave him like 80 or 90 bucks and you know from what and i'm like i'm like are you sure i'm like you should really just take it back to shopco man you can get a full refund you know it's unopened and he's like yeah i already tried they won't give me cash back i'm like okay well so we bought it whatever no big deal and then like a week later 
comes in again with another one. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, I'm like, hey, man, sorry, we can't buy this one. Uh, we can't buy anything without the original receipt. And I see you have a receipt. I said, but unfortunately, like, this is just a trade that's outside of the norm for us. And anytime mm-hmm. there's something outside of the normal boundaries, we can't take it. And the person was very confused and just like left was like, okay, and then walked out. So I call Shopco and I'm like, hey, guys, this is really weird. Uh, I said, but, you know, this is what's happening. I explained the situation to the to the LP department at Shopco or I think it was like a, gen- a GM or something. And they sent me to the LP okay. and an LP guy said, OK, yeah. So here's what they're doing. They're stealing stuff off the shelf at Shopco. They're returning it without a receipt. So all they get is store credit. They're using the credit to buy PS2s, and then they were selling them to us for cash. <laughs> that was the scam. <laughs> and all I could think to myself was, Christ, for that much work, just get a job. <laughs> like, I mean, you're putting so much work into it. My God, just go get a real job. I don't. Or it's crazy. Or Shopco could stop taking things back without a receipt. Well, I mean, yeah, that of course too. But even even I have to do that sometimes, you know. I mean, you verify as much as you can. But if somebody comes in with a used game without a sticker on it, and they're like, "Hey, I bought this," and you, for the most part, you give them the benefit of the doubt. That's kind of a good it's right. a good service, you know. But I mean, after Within a while, the same person now. you would stop doing that. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so it never ceases to amaze me, though, like the effort they'll put in, and you just kind of laugh at it because they they legitimately could get a job somewhere where they work just as hard with no worry of going to jail and bring home an honest paycheck for that amount of work they were doing like the amount of well, the amount of stress about getting caught and getting in trouble like come on you know now but at a certain point though these people probably have a criminal record where getting a normal job would probably be a hurdle so so once they well, sure once they've put themselves in the multiple shoplifting slash felonies yeah they're not getting any retail jobs yeah. difficult yeah their their options they they closed the in on themselves. I I had someone apply once that um, I had hired, and then the background check came back that he was convicted of retail theft. And now you're not allowed to discriminate against someone just because they have something on their record, but there are exceptions to that, which is like as a retail store, you cannot hire someone on the grounds that they've been caught for retail theft. Like that's allowed to. It's not discrimination at that point. I mean, you're just being, not being an idiot. <laughs> you're not hiring yeah. somebody who steals. Um, but uh, that they just didn't put on their application, you know. And then later, her, her, you know, like like after we had to let him go because of that, then it was, you know, you get kind of get the story like he's just trying to turn his life around, you know. Like, well, it was only six months ago, you know. I'm I'm sorry, <laughs> but um, it's not like it was six years ago. And he's been perfect ever since. And it's just a one time mistake because we all make mistakes and we all deserve another chance yeah you know i mean i shouldn't say we all there's probably exceptions to that rule but for the most part i think most people if they want a second chance they should get it if they're willing to work and try to redeem a mistake we all make mistakes you know we all do dumb stuff and some of us are really lucky that the dumb stuff we did didn't ruin our future like it does for a lot of people you know right but, but there's just certain things but you know whatever that's you know, it's retail theft, man. I mean, that, that, that's a, that's a humdinger, you know, to get a retail job, but I'm not, that doesn't mean that that person couldn't go get a job at a factory. Probably. Maybe I, I caught one guy. Uh, there was a, there's a very notorious thief to the, uh, the green Bay Marinette Wausau GameStops, Uh, and I knew of him and he had stolen up from my stores before, but not while I was there. And I, 
so like he was kind of like my white whale like i always knew this guy was a scumbag but he never actually walked in while i was working Mm -hmm. and uh actually the the reason why i knew of him was that um so nintendo made those those wii remotes with motion plus built inside that were based on characters so like uh toad and koopa came out and they were exclusive to gamestop and the day after they came out (laughs) we had a pre-owned of both of them and i walked into my store and i saw them on the back counter pre-owned and i was like why do we have those and they're like what do you mean i was like what where did those come from and they're like oh somebody traded them in i'm like they came out yesterday and you can only buy them from GameStop. <laughs> there is no reason why anyone should have sold them to us today. So I was like, what the hell? So I looked into the dude, and I got his name. And so I called up the Shono store, and because that's where the dude lived. And I was like, hey, are you missing these two Wii remotes? Now, this is in the Marinette store. So they got Shono and Marinette are like 70 miles apart. Um so I was like, are you missing these two Wii remotes? Uh, and I gave them the information and they looked it up and they're like, yep, we are. And I was like, are you familiar with this guy? And I gave them his name and they're like, oh yeah. And I was like, well, that guy probably stole them from you because he sold them to my store. So that's how I originally got to know who this dude was. And uh, so I, every once in a while I would, I would kind of look him up on uh, game or on the, uh, Wisconsin has a circuit court access mm-hmm. where you can look up people's arrest records. So I'd look up, dude. And finally, like a year and a half later, I'm working down in Green Bay at the mall. And he comes walking in my store. And he's got, and the only reason I knew it was him is that he had his uh, receipt and he wanted to return some crap. And uh, I looked at the bottom of the receipt. I saw his name and I was like, nope, I'm not returning anything from for you. Also, you can leave. He's like, what are you talking about? I was like, uh, well, I know you're a thief. I know you steal from GameStops and other stores, and I'm not going to do business with you. You are not welcome in my store. Get out. He's like, I don't steal. I was like, yes, you do. I've seen your arrest record. And he's like, he's like, I haven't, I haven't been arrested for shoplifting in, in a while. And I'm like, you were arrested three weeks ago <laughs> for shoplifting. <laughs> So, and so I'm like, yeah, I know for a fact. So it's not that so, you're yeah. wrong. I just, man, you're going to get hurt one day challenging these people. That someone's going to like, just beat the shit out of you one day. And I'm going to feel really bad because you don't deserve that. But my God, man, you shouldn't challenge that people. I know you don't do that business anymore. I know you're not retail anymore. Right. My we, God, dude. So that guy left. The, this is funny. So that guy left and like probably like eight months later, I had a dude come in and he was drunk as hell, just hammered, smelled of alcohol, and he was pushing around one of those kitty carts, and he had two kids in the kitty carts, and he traded some crap into me, and the stuff he traded in was, like, I was suspicious of it, but not enough to say no. Like, it definitely had my my radar going off, but I bought it, and it wasn't that much stuff, but during the transaction he's like he leans over he's like hey man you know where a guy can get a drink around here i was like no you're in a mall uh 
And so he walked out. Jesus. And I'm just thinking, like, I'm thinking about this guy, and I'm like, this guy's got two kids with him. He's hammered, and he's looking to get more drunk, and he lives out of town, and he's going to crash his car and kill these kids. And so I called the, the Ash Robin on PD, and I, I was like, hey, dude traded some stuff in. It was kind of suspicious, and also I think he's drinking and driving with his kids. So... I didn't expect anything to come of it because a lot of times when you call the cops and like if the person's gone, like they're gone, they you do a police report and you move on. Right. So the cops showed up immediately and they busted this dude in the food court. And so they brought him back to the store and they're like, is this the guy? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> like, right. You're like, oh, this is fucking, this is awkward. So, yeah. So I'm like, yeah, that's him. Here's, here's the stuff he traded in. And so they're like, they're like, well, we can't prove that he stole stuff, but him and Mr. Blank have warrants, so we're they're going to get brought in uh, tonight anyway, because they both have outstanding warrants. And Mr. Blank is notorious thief guy. So the guy that he was with <laughs> was the guy that I denied to, or to do the return like eight months prior. He saw that I was working, knew that there was no way in hell I would buy anything from him, and sent his friend in mm. who was hammered to do the trade instead. And so because <laughs> I knew that it was him, then I knew for a fact that they were stolen. And so I told them I, I told him, I'm like, I'm like, press the drunk dude to turn over his friend, because I know that this crap is stolen. And I'm like, I know this stuff is stolen from Walmart based on the fact that all of the games that he traded in would be within the Walmart under $20 section. And so they they went out and they they pressed on the, the guy that was uh, drunk. And the guy that was drunk eventually ratted out dude and said that they had stolen him from Walmart about two hours prior. <laughs> Jesus. So I ended up getting that guy arrested in a roundabout way eight months later. You got him. Purely by accident. You're white whale, man. You got him by accident. Hey, you got him. Yes. That's all that counts. <laughs> um, all right. So, hey, not to, not to break up this party because that was fun going down memory lane. We've spent 40 minutes talking about GameStop stories again. Yes. So <laughs> we got we got to – I want to cut the Embracer Group story unless there's something you really want to talk about on that one. Because we also uh, have to talk just, about the GameStop stock. So, but before I cut it, let's talk the GameStop yeah. stock, and then we'll just cover it quickly. Um, sure. And the GameStop stock thing's gonna go pretty quick because if you remember last podcast, so two weeks ago, GameStop stock was doing something weird, and we talked about it. We talked about what was yeah. happening and and why it was going up, and we made a little bit not a wager necessarily, but we we took our best guess as to where the stock would be for our next podcast. Now we thought it would be last week. We ended up not having one last week, but we have one this week. Right, and you you had guessed lower than me. And I so guessed you delayed very the podcast so that way <laughs> it would you would have a better chance of the the dollar amount of GameStop being where you expected. It, so really, you shorted the stock, and then and then did what you could to make to I, to drive the price down. I shorted the stock, and I shorted our fans <laughs> an episode of Game Talk Radio yeah. just just to spite you. You um, hedge fund garbage <laughs> human being. <laughs> Welcome to the Hedgecast. 
Greg and John. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I, I went low. I said 35, if I remember correctly. I, yeah, I like thought I it was going to. 45. Yeah, and I thought it was going to crash way harder. Now, as of right now, it closed at $50.31. So, John, you win. You guessed accurately. Um, I think I did both showcases. Yes. Uh, well, uh, don't you get both showcases if you get it right, if you get it perfect? You didn't get it. Oh, yeah. Come on, man. Wow. Come on, man. You get the um, speedboat and the brown couch. <laughs> you can, you can have. <laughs> look, can we talk about that for a second? Why are the two showcases ones always so shitty and ones always really awesome? Yeah, it's very weird. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, so the GameStop stock has crashed. Many people that bought in at eighty-five to a hundred and higher when it was really rocketing into outer space are out a bunch of money. Um, yep. and they're never going to get it back because that stock's never, ever going to come close to that. <laughs> and, and and it sucks because it's really easy to get wrapped up in excitement when it comes to something like that. And and again, if you have the money to lose and you don't care about losing it and you threw in like 100 bucks just to see what the hell would happen, I respect that. Or like that. $250 on AMC stock. <laughs> you know, I wasn't going to say anything, um, but I've, as I've been watching it tumble, I've been like, man, I feel bad for you because... Did you sell yours or no? No, I didn't. Uh, one, okay. I, I it's I gonna either. come back. I just it's the it's it's always been a long game for me. I was never gonna short it, but yeah, um, so, I was never so, gonna quick sell just it. So but. people know, I I texted Greg last week and I was like, hey, like I'm I'm getting in on it. I'm buying. I bought the uh, 250 bucks worth of uh, stock in AMC, and I ended up. Uh, so I got 17 shares. And then what was, immediately what was, went down the next day. What was uh, the buy like, price? What did you get it at? Um, I Twelve. Think I bought it at like, I think it was like fifteen. Oh boy! And so I bought it at like fifteen, and then it went down. And I actually got excited because I still had, I still had like, fifth, like twelve or thirteen dollars in my uh, in my TD Ameritrade <laughs> account. So I was like, all right, fuck it, I'll buy. <laughs> like I can afford another share, so I I bought an additional share, and uh, so. Since I did that uh, on that that stock, I've lost about one hundred and thirty bucks. <laughs> yeah, it has it has tumbled <laughs> to levels that are so so low. Um, yeah, it's but, currently at five dollars and seventy cents. Yeah, much <laughs> much like you, I'm not gonna sell it. Like I figure, what whatever. It's yeah, not it. it it's a lesson learned. <laughs> well, but, there's rumors of a buyout coming too, and so I mean. What can you do? I mean, it, for me, it was always kind of the long game. I was never, I don't know. I, my plan was always not to, not to sell that. Like when it went up to twenty bucks and I was up like a thousand dollars on it, I was like, well, I could sell, but eh, it's it was it was never about selling it at that amount. Realistically, yeah. it should go back up to thirty, forty once movies return and all that sort of stuff happens. It might not. That was kind of my gamble. And I remember when you said you were going to do it, I kind of was like, well, just be careful because I think it's going to go down before it goes back up. Like I'd kind of, you know, but I understand too, the allure of, of getting in on it. So I don't, I'm not going to, yeah. I'm not going to hold it against you, but I am going to tell you, I told you so because well, I was I'm right fine with that. So there's, there you go. Like, it's not like <laughs> my kid's not eating tonight because I frittered away our, yeah. our savings or anything when, like that. So when we're... I, when I used to go to the casino, I'd be playing blackjack and I would have like a big bet on through my betting strategy. And I'd have, I'd get up to like a big bet and I'd have to double down. It'd be like a $200 bet or something. And, uh, and then, um, 
like I'd look at the lady and be like, I really, I really need to hit this so I can get the power turned back on. And I was just joking, obviously. <laughs> and she would look at me like, oh my God, he's serious because they've probably heard that before. And they, people oh, weren't yeah. joking, <laughs> you know, just crazy. Um, okay. So anyway, that was the GameStop stock update. It is plunging to depths that it should to where it's still way above where it should be. It's still at 50 bucks somehow. Anybody who bought in at two or three dollars and held uh, still could make money on it. <laughs> but I, yeah. don't, I don't think they're going to. <laughs> um, I, I do think it's funny that the CEO of GameStop sold at like 40 bucks. Like he sold a shitload of shares. And yeah. if he would have just waited like two days, he could have sold it like 250. Yeah, well, I don't think he's hurting for cash, so probably <laughs> fine. <laughs> he is a moron, though. Yeah, well, <laughs> that goes without saying. Uh, so the first story we want to talk about is this story. We'll make it quick because I wanted I want to do a little bit of speculation on it. I know we don't we try not to speculate too much, but there's you had an interesting thought, and I think you are right about it. But the headline, and this was actually last week, uh, seven days ago, because we were going to talk about this last podcast, and then we ended up not being able to. But there was this this news came out that this company called the Embracer Group had a, had merged with Gearbox, who is the make creator of Borderlands, and then uh, they published like the latest Duke Nukem. They bought the rights to it all, whatever you know. Yep. So so at first I thought to myself, okay, well who's the Embracer Group? Because at first it didn't jump out to me, like it wasn't a no, name I... that I was super familiar with. I immediately knew who this was. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, and so for everyone who doesn't know, I'll just bring up a little Wikipedia article really quick. And the Embracer Group was formerly known as Nordic Games, which I did not know. Um, and because they were Nordic and then they bought the rights to the THQ name, so then they became THQ Nordic. And they'd been publishing games for a while under that. And then uh, it looks like after a while they were like, hey, it's getting confusing because there's Nordic Games GmbH in Vienna. So then they try to change names and not be confusing. Um, and so then they changed the name to the embracer group. So the embracer group has been around since like 2008 when Nordic games was founded. Yes. So it's not and like a new thing necessarily, but it's not really like, it's not, it's not been around forever. So, but Nordic games, they, they bought THQ or did they, they bought, a lot of stuff from when THQ went out of business. Yeah, because it was like... like Volition Studios and and a bunch of other stuff. And for a long time, so like they owned Volition and they owned Saints Row, but they didn't own Red Faction, which Volition also created. That was owned by a company called Coke Media. And then... So then they bought them too. <laughs> right, so then they bought them too. And then they bought, um, they bought Saber Interactive... And so, like, they've just been gobbling up all of these studios and publishers, and they're they're a company that it's very weird because for the amount of studios that they have bought up, they don't actually put out that many games on a regular basis. Right. They seem to specialize in reviving old, like, reviving old properties and porting yeah. them, which actually isn't a bad strategy. There's a lot of people that want to rebuy a game for the more modern console so they did the um remastered edition of red faction which might go down in history as like the worst name of any game ever um yeah right next recently, to another oh, oh go ahead r- right next to another one that they did which is <laughs> kingdoms of amlar re-reckoning 
Uh, yep, they that did. Was, that they, was their latest. Yeah, they published the Saints Row games again. So they they didn't. It's not that they're not. I mean, they're not even really working on new games necessarily. Um, th- like the Embracer Group on their own website, these are some of the properties that they have their fingers in the pies. Two hundred total franchises, including Saints Row, Goat Simulator, Dead Island, Dark Siders, Metro, MX vs. ATV, Kingdoms of Amalar, Time Splitters, which I really like to hear about satisfactory wreck fest which is a great game Earth's insurgency and world war z amongst many others so they've been they basically gobbled up a bunch of these really low or mid-tier development studios slash publishers and then bought out their libraries studios. <clears throat> yeah i guess i mean i don't think that's i mean i, I don't know I, I feel like that's never clearly defined but sure we could we could call them that but they're not they're not the gta well other than volition like they're not the gta like level of quality they're 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 mid-tier studios for the most part yeah but i mean i wouldn't say grand theft but then that's like saying grand theft auto is a triple a game but like dark siders 3 isn't so i don't know i mean triple a isn't like to me i guess i never looked at it like triple a meant that they just spent more money on making the games i I mean that's never how i've looked at it like i always felt like triple a just meant that it was a full development studio like, I don't now, know, it's hard to describe. Like, I don't think anyone's ever put that into an actual definition of what AAA studios versus... Because an indie studio can still make a AAA game. So yeah, it's not indie I, versus I corporate. Budget I don't know. Is where, when I think of AA, AAA, it's kind of budget. And also, if you were to ask Nicole while I was playing Darksiders 3, she would definitely not call that a, a AAA game. Because when I was playing it, she was like, what the hell are you playing? Like, like Darksiders 3 was great. I, I had no, like, it was I had no problem with that game. I didn't either, but she was like, "What are you playing? What is this garbage?" Like, and she's seen me way, play way worse things. Um, that's that, that's really just, disappointing to hear. I honestly like. I thought Gunfire Games is pretty good studio. It's all the yes, ex vigil guys. So yeah, yeah. okay. Well, oh, that's okay. That's fine. Double A studio, I suppose. That's yeah. Fine. Um, but, but but yes. So Embracer Group bought. Well, they they merged with with Gearbox. Well, that was the headline. And yeah. Yeah, that's the headline, but I don't... To me, there's no way in hell this was a merger, because one, Gearbox doesn't have that much money. Like, they're... And the they don't have... Like, they're, they're bringing very little to the table, whereas, obviously, um, Embracer Group has so much... So many studios, so many franchises. And so, to call this a merger, like, I texted you, I was like, this is totally a smoke show to appease Randy Pitchford and and stroke his ego. Yeah, I, I could see that. I could see that. But so a couple things. I would say – so I, I, I wouldn't say that it's a merger. I mean, I agree with you because what's funny is that's kind of like how the press release said it. Embracer yes. Group's merging with Gearbox. It wasn't that Embracer Group bought Gearbox. Now, that's also what happened when GameStop – bought eb games out back in the day it was that the two Mm. companies were merging together it was kind of like a pr thing almost internally and externally uh so internally the employees didn't feel like they lost to the competition or anything like that you know and then externally it's just like a hey look we're we're just merging together making the best of both worlds now of all people uh there was an article last week on venture beat from dean takahashi you might recognize dean takahashi from this podcast as the guy who sucks ass at cuphead and I did a video about it, and I did a I did a live stream where I had a Dean Takahashi 
lot uh, death counter. So every time I died, it, it dinged one Dean Takahashi. So anyway, um, so okay. anyway, he he did an article, and here was his headline: Embracer Group acquires Borderlands Maker for one point three billion. So it wasn't a merger. I mean, a merger in the sense of yeah, we're gonna take your people and make them work with our people, so we're merging together. Like sure, but realistically, Embracer Group purchased Gearbox. And that's fine. Yeah. It doesn't really change anything except to go along with what you're saying. And I do agree with that is that it was probably part of the agreement was that was that press release. And Pitchford probably had something to do with that because he didn't want to be embarrassed like his company got bought or that he sold out or something where I where I will disagree with you a little bit, though. I, I don't necessarily think that there isn't like that Gearbox didn't bring anything to the table. I mean, as far as like two companies being on equal playing grounds, not even close. Embracer Group spent one point three billion dollars to buy them. So right. they clearly have more money. Now, an interesting point that you made when we were off the podcast that I thought was a really good point was that Gearbox is in a really vulnerable place right now um, where they don't have they don't have like an active money making a game that's about to come out like they don't, they're not in a position right now to like self-sustain. It would it'd be it was a really easy time for them to get picked up because they were kind of between projects and Gearbox or excuse me Borderlands Three did undersell projections, albeit those projections were kind of out of this planet anyway, uh, and so it did kind of underperform to what they expected, and thus kind of put Gearbox in a like precarious situation. Probably not one where they were going to go under or anything, but they probably had to make a decision like, hey, do we do we sell out now or do we wait another couple years for our next payday? sort of thing you know yep well um, like uh borderlands 3 has been selling for 9.99 yeah almost every other week on at best buy and at uh at, on amazon and stuff like that game got heavily 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 discounted really quickly and usually that doesn't happen until they put out like their game of the year edition where did they they release it again with all of its DLC, and they can charge fifty bucks again for that. But then they're then the the regular game goes down in price, and so that game went down, sunk like a rock sales wise, and so I don't I think Gearbox was probably in a rough spot financially. Like I don't know that they had enough money to to float them to whatever the hell their next game was, and the reason I think that it's this is a weird transaction from a uh, Embracer Group buying them standpoint, is that Gearbox doesn't own Borderlands. 2K owns the the rights to Borderlands, so they can't take that to a different publisher. So, really, if if 2K owns their main franchise, their, right. their moneymaker, they made Battleborn, which is a massive flop, and they just shut off. They, they did. Uh, didn't they do Godfall? I mean, I know that was also a flop. They but... published Godfall. Okay, but it was that was also a major flop. They they own the rights to, them, uh, and they own. I believe they, or no, I think they just published the People Can Fly um, remake or remaster of uh, Bulletstorm. So, like the the properties that they own are really like Duke Nukem and Homeworld, the the old PC game from back in the day. They own those two properties. And, and well and 
and and and Battleborn. Well, and um, yes, but here's one thing to consider. Well, why you're right on 2K owning the publishing rights to Borderlands. I don't know how that deal works. They might like Gearbox might own the rights to it, but 2K has the publishing rights to it. Like I'm not sure. It gets a little messy there. Okay. Um, and so I'm not I'm not sure. And you and I could be wrong, but I feel like it's not like 2K can hire another studio to make a Borderlands game. Now, obviously, well, they, they did. did well, they, they had. Uh, yeah, I was, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Marin. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> sorry. So I'm, I'm getting there. It's okay. I'm getting there. But I all all of that I still think might still surround Gearbox. Now, let's just say, but let's say you're right, for instance, um, which is totally possible. Like I said, I'm not trying to say I'm an expert in this situation because I'm certainly not. Um, you're right that if that's their biggest franchise and they don't get the rights to it, why would you spend that kind of money on it? Um, mm-hmm. Now, Gearbox, though, is like you said, they are a publisher. And so you, there, there are probably a lot of other properties that we're forgetting, old libraries. And and part of the point I want to make before we move on is that this, like, that's what Embracer Group is doing. They're they're finding financially um, uncomfortable companies, and I think they're scooping them up, and I think they're overpaying. But they're doing that to, <laughs> to like, bolster up. Now, I'd, I'd like to know more about the Embracer Group because they seem to have just a ton of money sitting around. To spend, because I don't know if you remember, do you remember how much money Microsoft spent on Minecraft? Uh, two billion. Two billion dollars. Apparently the Embracer Group paid 1.3 billion for Gearbox? Yeah. I mean, it's it's odd to me that something else wasn't included in that deal. And I highly doubt that they somehow made a mistake and thought they'd have publishing rights to Borderlands and don't. Like, there has to be something in, in that deal somewhere. Now, it could be the properties they own. It could be that there is potential, like any future projects coming out. And it could be that they just bought the studio, but 1.3 billion seems crazy. Now, yeah. something I read earlier today, which throws another wrench in the works is apparently rumor had it. Microsoft was looking into purchasing gearbox hmm. and that they ultimately sold to the embracer group, probably because Microsoft was never going to get close to $1.3 billion. No, for them, I, I just that number is wild to me. Now again, that doesn't you don't know that that one point three billion isn't partly stock options in the company. You know, like like there's a lot of ways that like that total can look really intimidating. Um, so, but very strange, very strange. The way that the way that that deal works is, I think they get about three hundred million up front, and then the the a lot of it is based on performance in the next year or two. Um, so, so it's, it's not that they're putting up that much money immediately up front. Right. Right. Uh, and the, the thing that I'm wondering is one, there is a borderlands movie that's currently in the works. Um, and they are getting decent people to be in it. Like it, it doesn't seem to me like it's going to be a, a, uh, paul anderson resident evil movie like mm-hmm. they're they're getting like jamie lee curtis is going to be in it uh kevin hart is going to be in the movie so it seems like it's got some decent money behind it potentially and so they could have potentially bought it to get some of the profits from the movie uh sales and then they also could have something in the works um as far as a new property that is very promising that they may have not had the amount of money to get it to the finish line. 
And so kind of like um, Disney with, uh, so Disney scooped up Marvel after Iron Man because they were making Iron Man 2 and Thor at the same time years ago, and they ran out of money. And they obviously had an, they had yeah. great ideas, but they ran out of money and they couldn't get it across the finish line to become what it became. And so they needed some help. So I think that might be the case where Gearbox has something great in the works, but they're running low on funds. Well, it's possible. So, But here, here is actually a breakdown in this article. They do break it down. So under the deal, Embracer pays $188 million in cash and $175 million in newly issued shares. Okay, so okay. That's, that's the $300 million. And then it says, if Gearbox hits targets for operations in the next six years, it will get a maximum of $1 billion. So, so saying that they were sold for 1.3 billion is is not accurate. That's like that's not right. really that's not really an accurate description of what happened. And then of that 1 billion, 360 million will be issued in Embracer shares and the remaining 655 million will be in cash. So, that's if they hit their projection over the next 6 years. Uh and now, So so really they were sold for about 300 million dollars half stock half bonuses yeah it's (laughs) it's incentives incentive bonuses well and then and here was interesting too here's what embracer said embracer said that gearbox generated 123 million dollars in sales for the nine months that ended september 30th so in 2020 for nine months 123 million in sales now it's not profit that's sales but okay right for the full calendar year of 2019 gearbox generated 125 million and operational earnings before interest and taxes of $37 million. So to spend that kind of money on a company that only made that much, because they're basically saying that operational earnings before interest and taxes was $37 because they generate yeah. sales of one hundred twenty-five, million, but that's not all profit. That's not how this works. So it's interesting that in two years they made less than the initial offer to purchase them. It's kind of weird. And and I don't know, man, like that, that seems like a really sketch deal to me that they have to hit targets for operations in the next six years. Like what are those targets? I mean, they might even be unattainable. Yeah. I'm, I'm willing to bet that they probably will not reach those targets. Like I'm, I'm guessing that the Embracer group's lawyers wrote that contract in such a way where they're like, there's no way in hell we're going to, we're gonna it, have to pay the rest of it this. makes me think that like in a, in a year or two we're gonna hear like this crazy story about how like randy pitchford suing embracer group for breach of contract or something like market here like it's coming and <laughs> it's gonna I, be a story we talk about i don't think that randy is going to be with the company for in in two years i think he will be gone i i can't imagine them wanting to keep him around yeah with the amount of trouble that he brings. Well, I mean, well, I agree with that. I think that what he does though, for that place, like he founded it, he's the head of the studio right now. I, I think it's hard to like, just remove him from that. And I have a feeling, I mean, yes, there's like these weird negative stories that come out about him, but overall I would argue that he's for that reason. I don't think they'll take him out. I think what will end up happening is he'll end up getting flexed out because he won't like the constraints of a company owning him. And then he will leave, start his own indie studio, like Tim Schafer, blow it up, and then sell it off to somebody again, and then eventually leave, and you know the whole thing. That's yeah, late life. Um, but anywho, 
I didn't want to spend a ton of time talking about that because we got behind with our GameStop stories, but th- that's a weird one. It- it's weird because on the surface, it's just like, oh, these two companies are merging, but there's a lot going on underneath. And so I'm, I'm glad we touched on it. I- I'm glad we covered it a little bit anyway. But If you could pull one game from Embracer's catalog to actually get made, what would it be? Oh, or remastered or whatever. I mean, probably... I mean, they've pretty much done everything already. <laughs> I don't think there's anything left. They've already done Darksiders. I mean, I'm trying to think of anything else that THQ would have had that I miss, but um, I can't think of anything. What about you? I'm dying for a new Saints Row game. Uh, it's okay, sure. too damn long. I would like them to not be uh, so damn sci-fi. Um, and I would also like a remaster of Red Faction Armageddon because that, that is yes. one of my favorite games of all time. I should have known that because I do. You talk very fondly of that, so I love that game. Um, all right, so we're moving on to the next one. All right, so next up on the podcast, John, we're talking about CD Projekt Red, and uh, and just broke today that uh, the, apparently they were they were hacked maliciously, and. <laughs> Uh, and held ransom. So uh, I want to... CD Projekt Red had a tweet about it. And I want to read the tweet. And then I'm going to read the ransom note. <laughs> which is which is kind of Written a Written by a five-year-old. <laughs> um, but here, here we go. So here's CD Projekt Red. Here is their... Um, here's their letter, basically. This, they were the ones who announced that it happened. So uh, they go on to say, yesterday we discovered that we have become a victim of targeted cyber attack due to which some of our internal systems have been compromised. An unidentified actor gained unauthorized access to our internal network, collected certain data belonging to CD Projekt Capital Group, and left a ransom note, the content of which we released to the public. Although some devices in our network have been encrypted, our backups remain intact we have already secured our, our our IT infrastructure and began restoring the data. We will not give in to demands or negotiate with the actor, being aware that this may eventually lead to the release of the compromised data. We are taking necessary steps to mitigate the consequences of such a release, in particular by approaching any parties that may be affected due to the breach. We are still investigating the incident. However, at this time, we can confirm that to our best knowledge, the compromised systems did not contain any personal data of our players or users of our services. We have already approached the relevant authorities, including law enforcement and the president of the Personal Data Protection Office, as well as IT forensic specialists, and we will closely cooperate with them in order to fully investigate this incident. So that was what CD Projekt Red had to say. Just said, important update. It was a tweet this morning at like 2 a.m., which their time was probably like 8 or 9 in the morning. So they also included a picture of the ransom note, which this cracked me up. Uh, when I read it, not that this situation is funny because it's really not, but this note uh, cracked me up. So it was in a in a text file that was called Read Me Unlock, and it was a notepad, and it just says, "Hello, CD Project." Yo, <laughs> I'm just gonna read it exactly how it is, so I'm not like the moron. I'm not a moron reading it. I'm reading it like the moron who wrote it. Um, you have been, or excuse me, your have been epically pwned. <laughs> We have dumped full copies of the source codes from your Perforce server for Cyberpunk 2077, Witcher 3, Gwent, and the unreleased version of Witcher 3. We have also dumped all of your documents relating to accounting, administration, legal, HR, investor relations, and more. Also, we have encrypted all of your servers, but we understand that you can most likely recover from backups. If we will not come to an agreement, then your source codes 
will be sold or leaked online, and your documents will be sent to our contacts in gaming journalism. Your public image will go down the shitter even more, and people will see how shitty your company functions. Investors will lose trust in your company, and the stock will dive even lower. You have 48 hours to contact us. <laughs> That's the... Um, <laughs> so, again, the situation's not funny, but that ransom's pretty funny. It feels like it was made to be from a moron but it wasn't actually if that makes sense like it was someone trying to um to sound dumber than they are or it was someone foreign who translated that into english using like um like a, like a translation program or something it doesn't sound yeah. authentic like when you go through it epically and epically in all words uh, all caps epically pwned <laughs> oh man like um Leet speak, man. It never it never fails to crack me up. It's so cringe. Uh mostly because huh, there was a time, you know, we all went through our, our phases of, of using that language. <laughs> so Yes. So anyway, this isn't good. Uh so let's get to the nitty gritty, okay? This is bad. Uh, it's a cyber attack on a legitimate company. Whether you like CD Project or not, if you feel that they cheated you out of money for Cyberpunk the game and you're unhappy about that game's quality. Uh, it does not excuse this sort of behavior, and I don't think it's okay to say that it's all right that someone did this to them or that someone did this to them is justified because they made a bad product, which I would disagree is a bad product. But if that's your argument, uh, I would say that's a garbage argument, and I think that's a very shitty way of victim blaming that uh, we need to get completely out of the system, whether it's uh, victim blaming in anything, this or or assault cases, stuff like that. Um, and so I don't know, like this, this is, uh, this is a pretty big deal and it goes on to the, and the other part we want to talk about is it goes on to like, how do you, how do you respond to the information that is leaked? And we did a story not too long ago about the giga leak from Nintendo and some of the new stuff that was coming out out of that leak. And it was really neat to see the information, but then we had that conversation that said, well, is it right though? Like, is it right that we're bringing awareness to this and were we being hypocrites by enjoying it and enjoying the things we learned, but then on the flip side, knowing that it was received through illegitimate means. And so I don't know where I stand on that still. I mean, I love to know, I always say that I love pulling back the curtain on game design. I love seeing, uh, you know, seeing the sausage make makers, you know, and yeah. I, I love that. But not when it's stolen and not when not when it's something that could be damaging to a company. And I don't mean damaging like, yeah, if all of a sudden hidden in these files is a fact that like there's slave camps or something at CD Projekt Red and they're not paying their employees and they're all chained to desks. Like, okay, yes, that's good information <laughs> to leak to the public and then the that's, proper authorities can arrest them. Like, yes, Goes without that's saying. Apple that you're talking about, not exactly. <laughs> it's Nike. That's Apple. <laughs> this isn't CD Projekt. So, so that's the two things I would start off by saying is one, it's not okay, just because you might be mad at them for the way they handled a recent game they released. It's okay to not like the game. It's okay to be mad at them for the way they handled the situation. It's okay to feel violated that they may have lied to you about the game. Does not mean it's okay that this happened, because it's, this is something that happens a lot too. Is like. Someone in the comments down here somewhere says something like, love the developers, love the employees, hate CD Projekt Red. Like, well, what what do you think the company is? Like, the company's not like Master Mold, right? 
at the Sentinel factory, like pumping out Sentinels. <laughs> like <laughs> that's an X-Men reference, by the way. If you, if you I, guys, I, got I figured you did, but for the <laughs> listeners out there. So there, he's, it's not like CD Projekt's a, a, an AI master mold that's sitting back there, like churning out shit games. It's, it's, it, it's a product. It's, it's the culmination of the hard work of all the people that work there. Right. And yes, obviously it's a company that's run by people, owned by people, makes money. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. But it's not like it, it, it's some being to be hated. Right. Um, if you want to hate the people who made those decisions, if you want to say, Hey, the head of the studio, I don't like that person for making those decisions. That makes sense. But saying something like CD project red, bad company, bad employees, good. Like that's just kind of stupid way to look at it. Um, so, uh, they go on to say things like, like CD project Red. CD project red says to our ex employees, as of this moment, we don't possess evidence that any of your personal data was accessed. However, we still recommend caution like enabling fraud alerts and like that sucks because if their personal information was stolen, you know, that's, and and there's a possibility for identity theft. Like that's, that's a big deal. It's serious. Um, yeah. And fraud, fraud alerts aren't free either. Some, most of the time, not usually, but a lot of identity theft protection usually costs something. Yeah. And a lot of companies though, when something like this happens, will offer that for free, which is nice. Like they'll say, Hey, we'll offer you a year of free credit monitoring or something, but kind of like too little too late um, usually but you know it, i mean it's better than nothing you know it is something um but uh so there was something though that came up and, and when i was going through this whole thing and and so obviously that's all bad that's um well hold on a second what did i do here so yeah this it's all bad um the hack is bad i hope that they find who did it and i hope they bust them i don't think that these sort of cyber attacks are funny because ultimately it's not like they're doing it for like the people, right? The, the This person didn't hack CD Projekt to release this source code to, to like justify, you know, some sort of like holier than thou attitude about CD Projekt bad. And I want to reveal that to the public. It was straight up, we're holding your shit ransom. Give us money or whatever they asked for because they don't specify. I don't <laughs> I, I don't know. Like that's the thing too is like the, the, the letter, unless there's more to it, the letter doesn't actually tell them what they want. <laughs> I think I'm, I'm guessing there was probably a demand letter because the uh, they don't tell them how to contact them either. Right. That, yeah. They actually they may have screenshotted just the top part, and there might have been more in that. Oh, that like right file. below it. Yeah. Yeah. That they, actually makes they sense. Don't, they don't ask for like they don't say what their demand is. They don't say who how to contact them or anything like that. Yeah. Uh. No. Exactly. So there's probably more to this, which you know. So I, I, but I look at all that and this, this wasn't like a, a freedom of information thing. You know, this was somebody trying to, you know, extort them and, and hold their, their own property ransom for money or what, again, what, or whatever they wanted. And so that's not okay. I'm sorry. And, and I don't care how much you hate proceeded project. I don't think it's okay. Uh, I don't think it's ever justified. Now, again, if it was somebody who knew that there were secret files, that their employees weren't getting paid and they hacked it to reveal that to the public, you know, that, that, that can be like as a whistleblower sort of situation. That's different, I think, but that's not what this yeah. is. So let's just can that, put a pin in that. That's not what it is, but here's well, what came up. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was gonna say much like when I was talking earlier about those scammers that were scamming elderly, once they like, let's say CD project gives into these demands and pays them. What's stopping these people from asking for more. Let's do it again. Or releasing the shit anyway. 
Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. They're obviously they're obviously not the most moral people on the planet since they broke into somebody's network and stole their stuff and encrypted their their drives. So what's stopping them from just screwing them over and just for fun anyway? Like right. I, that's that's why you don't you don't negotiate with people like that because they're going to do whatever they want to do. They're 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 clearly not bound by the the norms of society to to not break the law. So they're certainly not going to be like, oh, okay, well we made a deal, we won't release your stuff. Yeah, you you seem like good fellows. We're yeah. we're gonna trust you that you'll keep your word and not release the stuff if we give you a bunch of money. Clearly, you're good. We we trust you. We've got a good relationship. Yeah, exactly. Well, and they uh, like you said, you can't really give into the demands. And and oftentimes with stories like this, you hear that the cover up is usually worse than the crime. It's similar in something like this where if you're trying to hide that this happened, it's gonna come out eventually, and then it's gonna come out that you hid it. And that's almost mm-hmm. worse than the fact that it happened was that you tried to hide it. Like, just be honest about it. Come out. You know, and yeah, does CD Projekt Red need another red mark on their record right now? They gotta, they're got they trying to focus on fixing the game that they released on console too early <laughs> and that has upset some people. Like, they don't need this, but it happened, and they have to deal with what they can. I'm glad that this is how they're handling it. Yeah. Um. And then so the next part, though, this this is actually what I want to talk a little bit about, and I feel like I'm always talking about them. So much so that when I saw him comment on it, I thought, oh, I can't really touch this one now (laughs) because (laughs) I don't want to mention him all the time, but it's going to happen. So I see a tweet from Jason Schreier and he says, wow, Cyberpunk 2077 developer CDPR says it's been hacked, but won't give into the hackers demands. Hacker says they've got and will release confidential documents. And then he shared CD Projekt Red's update. Um, And then... So there were, and, and there, there's a couple angles to this. One of them was that a lot of customers of CD Projekt Red or a lot of people complaining about their practices are coming out of the woodwork to say that they think it's fake. They're, they're trying to fake the story. Jason Schreier responds to that and says, I've seen speculation that they're faking this, but employees tell me they're taking it very seriously. The company told staff that they'll need to take several specific precautions to protect their identities and prevent fraud. It's going to be a real hassle for many of them. So I would agree that... I don't think it's fake. Again, no. you're going to get caught. <laughs> and if they get caught and this is fake, like, oh my God, they will have like nothing. No one will be able to say anything to support them at that point, you know? So, but, but someone asks uh, a legitimate question um, on Twitter, Jan on Twitter and, and Jan maybe. Um, and, and he asks, they said they would send the documents to journalists would it be ethical to release this information in your opinion? To which is what we were talking about with the Nintendo Giga Leak and what I mentioned here earlier. And Jason Schreier responds, great question. I'd have to give it some thought. I think it would depend on how valuable the information was to the public interest, whether it exposed wrongdoing, etc. But I don't have a concrete answer right now. And that actually really bugged me when I read that. Um, and maybe it's just because I don't really like anything that he says. But (laughs) I read that and I thought it should be really easy to say any information achieved stolen from a company trying to extort another company or from people trying to extort a company should not be released. If it was given to a journalist, it should be reported to the proper authorities, not sifted through and then be like, oh, man, there's some juicy morsels in here that I want to take out. Like, it'd be one thing if 
let's say the information got put up on on Pirate Bay and it started circulating that it was happening. And so you looked into right. it. That's different than shithead ransomware people coming straight to you and being like, here's some juicy dirt. That's Then you're participating in the crime rather than investigating something that that has happened so you're you're benefiting from the crime by writing your story if you are getting it straight from the the mouths of the criminals that did the crime and you're almost encouraging more people to do that sort of thing yeah well and and there's some really interesting replies you know, like like this one, and and I know I harp on this all the time, but it feels like whenever we talk about Schreier or CD Projekt Red, like it always comes up. But this person says, certain wrongdoings are objective. Harassment is wrongdoing. Crunch is wrongdoing. Fraud is wrongdoing. And so this person's trying to argue because someone earlier in the in the chat or in the in the the tweets had said, who is the judge of so-called wrongdoings? And that's what this person said was that certain wrongdoings are objective. Crunch isn't objective, <laughs> and crunch being a wrongdoing is not objective. So it, it baffles me not just that someone says it, but that you get a hundred likes on Twitter from just being a moron. <laughs> like that's not objective at all, because they've never once specified what crunch is. Is crunch just regular overtime? Most people work overtime. Is so that's it's wrong for a company to have overtime now. I mean, or is it just crunch because we call it that? It just. Ugh. Man, it is it is frustrating to me um, that there's so many people who just don't understand. Like, be, he just has so many people that grovel at his word. It just it makes me mental. Yeah, trying to just get what? through it because it it is it's it's that easy. It the answer is no. You don't take it from them. Yes, that is exactly it. And then if it leaks, and like you said, they put it up uh, on someone puts it on Reddit, and the mods leave it up. And people are reporting on it that they saw it on Reddit or whatever, or 4chan or 8coon or whatever. If that's where they found it, and then you report on what was found there, I don't see a problem with that. But if someone came to him and said, hey, you know what? We're the ones who hacked CD Projekt, and we found out that all their employees worked 15 hours of overtime for the last month. We're going to give you that information. His immediate His immediate reply to that should be, Oh, cool. Thanks for reaching out to me. I've given the authorities your information. And he would not yeah. use that information, even if it's juicy, a juicy morsel, I guess. And I'm not, again, I have to say, I say this every time, even though I probably don't have to. I'm not I'm not a corporate bootlicker, okay? I own my own independent business. I'm not a corporate bootlicker. I'm not a I'm not a CD Project Red fanboy. I'm not a I'm not a you know, I just this is like the real world and it's how it works. And it just it just doesn't make sense to me how people seem to justify wrongdoing if it's against something that they don't like. And it's just, it's just, it explodes my brain. And this is one of those things. Like if, if, if somebody had come out and said I was assaulted or say, say somebody came out and said, let's, let's, let's frame this a little bit differently. Let's say a, 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 a female game developer comes out and says, I was hacked. They have personal photos of me that they're going to release. If I didn't pay the ransom, I'm not going to pay it. And then those hackers didn't get their money. So they went to a journalist and said, Hey, we have this game developers, private photos. Do you want, they would never do that in a million years. Nobody would do that. It would, you wouldn't even think twice about that releasing that sort of thing. 
So the idea that it's any different because it's a company's private files, like I understand that emotionally it, it feels similar. Like it, I mean, it feels like totally different because one's like one's a, a maybe might be a sensitive photo of a person and one's a file of a company, but they're ultimately in the eyes of the law, they're the same thing. It's that person's property that was illegally obtained. And so I, I don't know. I just, I, I just, they, they were hacked. They're the victim. And, and this whole victim, I mean, you want to talk about victim blaming. It's something that a lot of people who hate CD Projekt Red also don't like victim blaming when it comes to other things. So why is it such a big deal? You know, when, because it's something that they don't like, then they're okay with it. Eh, I don't, I don't like it. I don't, I don't, I don't like that at all. Well, and like what, what could possibly be on their systems that would be so awful that it would matter anyway, like personnel files. Like the, the only thing that I'm worried about that would come out would be customer data because they do own, they own good old games, the, the, uh, right. download service for PC. So customer data, uh, and like passwords and all crap like that. But other than that, whatever i can't imagine like short of short of the the higher ups on the in the company having like inappropriate pictures on their computer that would be illegal in some way like nothing nothing seems like it would be that crazy like or i i do kind of want wonder what the hell they meant by unreleased witcher 3 um but otherwise i don't i don't think anything that would come out of them would be that interesting yeah, well, it is, uh, the only thing I could think of would be something similar to um, the situation at, um, I'm totally spaced on the name, but like um, David Cage and um, Quantic. Oh, Quantic Dream. So like they had all that weird stuff on their server where like they were sending around pictures like through their internal like system, like all these weird pictures of like people photoshopped into different situations and people photoshopped as like Nazis or photoshopped next to like huge, like a huge drill dough and like a whole bunch of other oh, weird okay. stuff. So like, yeah, I guess, but that, I mean, even that, <laughs> that's not, that's, that's like nothing unless again. Now, what if you're looking through accounting and CD project red claimed that they did something that they didn't do? Like, Oh, you know, we claimed we, we remodeled our building you know, for a million dollar tax break or something and they never did it. And so they've somehow have committed fraud and you find that through a leak. Okay. That's possible. I mean, it's pretty far fetched, but okay. It's possible. <laughs> you know, it's, I don't know. I don't know. It's just, I don't know. Like, I agree with you. I don't know what you'd find on there that would be so damning that you wouldn't be able to like recover from it. You know? Yeah. That, and also there are more evil companies out there that you could be doing this garbage to. Blackwater, for instance, go, go release all their dirty laundry. They're yeah. nothing but scumbags. <laughs> well, yes. And again, that that's what I think was frustrating me so much about it was that people were like, well, it's okay that it happened to them because they made that cyberpunk game that they lied to us about. And you're like, hold, hold on. Okay. So, I mean, that, that's, that, that's got those very creepy sort of, well, she was wearing, she wore that outfit sort of vibe you know what i'm saying like well yeah she goes out dressed like that she's asking for it yeah exactly like that's got that sort of creepy vibe to it which is like that's bs that's that's nonsense and but it has that feel to me that 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 sort of weird it's okay or or like well the the person who did it was justified in doing it because i don't like that person that's crazy 
You would never say that in, in an assault case or something like that. You know, you would never, ever say that. But you say it here because it's a company, not a person, even though that company's made up of people. So I don't, I don't know. It's just, it's just weird how people compartmentalize all that stuff and they can somehow hate a company but support all the people that work at the company. <laughs> yeah. And anybody that's, that's still that salty about the $60 that they may have felt like they pissed away on cyberpunk, get over it. It's 60 bucks. Get yeah. over it. Yep. I mean, you don't hear me crying about paying 60 bucks for fallout 76 still. I got over well, it. I mean, you, you did just now, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so you'll I don't be a know. lot happier of a gamer if you stop holding grudges for shit like that. Well, and let's get like, real: most of the people upset aren't even people that bought it. They're people that watched people buy it and complain about it. They watched YouTube's videos of people buying it and complaining about it, and they're sitting here full of like they're full of of being offended by something that they didn't even have any investment in. I mean, it's like yeah. the the majority of the the vocal minority of people that hate that game probably haven't even played it you know it's just it's just an easy target you know and whatever it was it's easy to hate a company that i mean look at look at naughty dog with last of us 2 like that game keeps winning awards right and there's still people out there that are just trying to like dump on them for for like their crunch and overtime work ethic that comes along with working at a studio like that it's like yet they keep getting game of the year from like every other place to go now again i thought last of us 2 was is highly overrated i don't think it's game of the year at all but like people still trying to hate on them for that you know it's like man people people just like being outraged man i don't know man how exhausting to live your life like that just always upset at something nothing's ever good enough you know what a, what a and, joke and for the record i mean if you want to call things crunch i've worked uh, the last four days, I have not worked less than twelve hours. Uh, so, so yep. who cares? Like, well, <laughs> and, and I still got two more days left of the week uh, that that I will have to work. So I will I will probably put in sixty to sixty five hours this week. Uh, I'm not. I don't complain because I know it's not going to happen all the time. And also, I'm getting paid for it. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know I hear and now what's funny is I've had people equate what we're saying here to arguing about the student loan cancellation debate and saying that like we sound like people that are saying well you shouldn't cancel their student loan because I paid mine and that's not at all what I'm saying in fact I don't agree with that on on that level and I also don't agree that that's like the point we're trying to make the point we're trying to make though is that people act like this crunch thing is some weird special thing that only happens in that industry and only and is such a negative thing and that not everyone enjoys like some people enjoy working overtime and some people enjoy the extra money that they can then spend in their free time on more toys you know mm-hmm. so it's not like everyone just automatically hates working extra you know again yes and there are family member families out there that probably don't like working extra because they want to be home with their families and that's fine and then there's people out there who don't have families and say you know what I'd rather work a whole bunch of overtime over 6 months and then buy a boat you know, or whatever the hell they want to buy. It's their choice. The, the, you brought up the student loan thing. The only thing that annoys me about the student loan forgiveness is that I don't think my wife Nicole's student loans will be forgiven because they are uh, the only 
loan she's got left is a uh, private loan. Oh yeah, the privates will never go. You gotta pay those. Yeah. Bro. So like, so, so the student loan forgiveness is only gonna work for people that have uh, that have like Fannie Mae, uh, Freddie Mac loans. Yes. Uh, that are yeah. government backed, but everybody else that has private loans, which I think. Yours are probably private, aren't they? Or did you actually pay them off? No, I paid off my private right away because the interest on the private loans is mental. So you pay the yeah. pri- you always pay the privates first, and then because because you can stave off federal a bunch of different ways. Like you can yeah. you can do deferments. You can do like you could even do you know like um, wage based repayment plans, all that sort of stuff. If they're federal, private ones just knock them out. That was actually the first yep. thing I took up took money out of my business for was like as a payment to myself was to pay off like a seven thousand dollar loan. Um, so like I'm I I still owe like twenty seven thousand in loans, but if like say they can't like say I paid mine off and then they offered to cancel for anybody else, I'd be like awesome man, that good for you guys. Like yeah, I'd be bummed yeah. out. Like on a personal level, I'm not gonna lie and say that like man, I wish I had waited a couple years to pay off my loans. But it's you know, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's just life. All of life is perspective. Okay. If, if you want every situation you've ever been in to be shitty, do you change your perspective for everything to be shitty? If you want to try to find the yep. bright side in things, you can find the bright side in things. If you, if you want to stress over things, you can, if you don't, you cannot. I mean, it's really, it all, it's all about your perception of the situation. Perception is reality. And people mm-hmm. just like to feel like they're always looking for something to enrage them or they're looking for something like, look at, you know, and I'm not going to get all super political here, but look at like when people get very tribal when it comes to their political views, a lot of people want to be riled up. It's it's almost like their lives are so boring. They need something to come and fire them up. They need something to make them angry. They need something to make them up. Like what they want, they want to be angry. You know, I, I just, it's wild to me. Like, I don't want to be angry. I just want to be chill all the time. And I'm not like some, hippie stoner guy by any stretch but like i don't know i'm not i'm not singing kumbaya i'm just like you know what i like i like nice and relaxing i like quiet i don't want to be enraged all the time but there are people like that and you know here and here it is but um but that's what they find so like that's why i always preach man like life is perspective and, and you can you can take it however you want and i actually so before i met my wife before i was dating my wife i should say um I was seeing a girl and she had the most negative outlook on life I've ever seen. And in fact, that's ultimately why I stopped talking to her because I've never met someone who's, who always found the shitty side in everything. <laughs> like, and, and me, I'm a pretty positive person. So imagine me trying to be positive all the time and someone just taking it from you. Someone always had to take everything positive you said and twist it or pull it away and tell you why it was miserable, not positive. And it's like, Jesus lady, like you are just a miserable pile of shit. And, and so like <laughs> you, and, and, and as someone who I would be really candid right now. Okay. I was very desperate for a very long time to find someone and be happy. Right. So I, for anyone who listens to the podcast, if you don't know in my twenties, I was morbidly obese and so I was very lonely and, you know, spent a decade. I wasted a decade being like overweight and lonely. And this isn't a sad story. Don't, like It has a happy ending. Don't worry. In my, it, when I turned 30, I started losing weight, dropped like 160 pounds, and I turned my life around. Met my wife. She's incredible. I wouldn't change anything. I don't, I don't really feel like I wasted a decade of my life because ultimately... Um, it worked out, 
you know, and I don't, I don't want to, oh, what's going on there, John? I'm getting some weird feedback. You there, buddy? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. No, it's okay. I was just getting some wild feedback, so I just wanted to pause there for a second. Um, I don't have regrets because my wife's amazing, and I would never go back and change anything, uh, even if there was a 0.1% chance that it would somehow screw up my relationship with her. I would never do that because that's why I don't talk about regrets at all. I don't, I don't have any because everything led me to right here, and I'm very happy where I am right here. Um, but, you know, so, like, I, I was really desperate and really lonely, to find somebody and I still didn't put up with her. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's like, like I, 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 I bent some of my, my rules that I would never bend. Like I told myself, I'm not interested in starting a family or I should say, I'm not interested in joining a family already in progress. You know, like a, like a, a lady with kids. I'm not really interested in because I don't want to join a family in progress. It's nothing against her. I know it's tough being a single mom. I'm just saying it's not what I want and I'm allowed to feel that way. You know, but I bent some of those rules. I broke some of those rules because I was lonely. This person, I didn't, I, I still walked away from it. And, and like, I, I never, I didn't even give it a second thought. I was like, my God, you are just awful to talk to. <laughs> and thankfully, I recognized that and didn't get into any sort of long-term relationship with it because it would have made me miserable my whole life. Everything <laughs> she did just was miserable, sad. What a, what a sad, sad existence she had. Um, uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, some people anyway. Um, so like, you know, like for, for instance, I'll give you one example and then we'll move on. Cause this isn't Greg's pathetic dating life podcast. <laughs> it's game talk radio, <laughs> but like we were having a discussion one day and I was telling her the exact same thing. I just told all of you life is about perspective. And she said something like, Oh, so the soldier from Iraq who had his legs blown off, he, he can just be happy if he wants to be happy. And then she said that to me just like that. <laughs> and, and, and I, and I looked at her, I said, well, I'm not saying he has to be happy, but he could look at his situation. He could say, you know what? I'm going to talk to other vets that might be having problems. I, I can do the best I can with my situation. Or I said, yeah. Or he could sit in his chair all day, not never leave the house and be unhappy and miserable. It's, it's, it's that person's choice and how they deal with that situation. And I'm not saying it's fair and I'm not saying it's right. Obviously in that situation, it's terrible. And like, I feel really terrible for somebody that that happens to, but it's up to that person to change their own perspective on things. They can, they can let it destroy them or they can, they can come out of that a different person, a better person, uh, you know? And, and so anyway, that was the argument we got into. And I was like, and I even said something to her. I was like, wow, you were just a miserable person to talk to. And then she, she like, she said something back like, well, it's true though, isn't it? And I don't think I ever responded. <laughs> I think, I think you that's just how it just turned around, walked out of her house. <laughs> well, it was over. It was over actually here. Funny story. It was over like Google, Google messenger. Is that a thing? Like Google groups or whatever the hell they call it. So like I used to talk to her through that because she had it open when she was working so we could chat during the day. So now every time I hear that noise, she was the only person I ever messaged that way. So every now and then someone will be in the store and I'll hear that noise and it just, it just pisses me off. Like I hear that noise. I'm like, ugh. like it, it, that sound is like, I'm like Pavlov's dog, you know, like I hear that sound and it instantly goes like that. I was that, that person's a miserable piece of shit, you know, <laughs> like it stinks. So anyway, that's it. Done talking about CD project red. Um, that's it for our news stories for the day. We've got our games of the week picked out. We've got our pickup piles of the week, which John, I got to be honest with you. I have two piles and they're 
fucking huge. It's okay. crazy. Um, but I've got my game of the week. I've got my pickup piles of the week. But I want to start with you as always. What is your game of the week this week? Uh, my game of the week. Uh, I have the Game Boy Advance version here. Uh, but one of my favorite games of all time is uh, Super Ghouls and Ghosts. Ooh, uh, okay. I played the crap out of it on Super Nintendo. And actually, I think I think this version is actually different. Um, but yeah, I, I played the piss out of that game and, and loved it. Except when I beat it the first time and was like, hey, cool, I beat it. And then you get to the end and they're like, oh, you need the special ring. Uh, come back when you have it. And then they send you back to the beginning <laughs> of the game. Beat the game again. Uh, and then show up at the end boss with, quote unquote, the special ring. Um, which is just a dick move. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. It's deviously difficult. <laughs> but that's I still... Uh, the power-ups are fun as hell. So that's And the different armors and stuff. Um Although, I am very, 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 very much not excited for the new game, which looks like shit. The graphics, why did they make it look like that, Capcom? Are you for real? Yeah, like, I, it, like they could have, they, they should have went to, like, the uh, evil twin that makes uh, Dead Cells and, like, adopted some of their tech. Because their, their game is made using 3D polygons, but they have a filter on it in such a way that it looks like a hand-drawn 2D game. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they're dumb. It's the game looks- well, yes, and like there's so many pixel artists out there now. There's no excuse. It used to be that 3D was so much cheaper than pixel art, and and it's probably still kind of true. Like 3D art is faster. It's less pain in the ass for animating. But give me a break. Like there's so many coming. Dude, give it to Inti Creates. You know, give yeah. it to Way Forward. Oh my God, Way Forward would have made the bombest ass, like ghouls and ghosts I've ever seen. You know, yeah. and, and what's the company that did um, Battle Princess Madeline? Battle Princess Madeline. Thank you. Like yeah. whatever company, like, the company that did that, the indie developer, they they could have made a bomb ass ghouls and ghosts. That game is ghouls and ghosts. Yeah, <laughs> like they copied and, it. <laughs> yeah, just dumb. Like, Capcom has a ton of great franchises. And they either neglect them or resurrect them in the most piss poor way as possible. Mm-hmm. Well, well, and what's funny though is they've been on, Capcom's had a pretty good track record for for the last like few years. You know, they they brought their Resident Evil games have been killing it. The remakes and even Seven, um, and like Monster Hunter came back with a storm. Like Capcom's, what I did a story on Capcom like three years ago where they were in danger of like they were almost going to be bought out because they were just like everything they did was shit. And they're finally come back, and then I see that, and I'm like, man, come on, man. <laughs> that's but, but like, all I can say. Come on, man. They could do something like Sega, where Sega went to one of their their fans who built fan, yes. fan Sonic, and they said, hey, help us make a new Sonic. And he did. And it was amazing. <laughs> and it was good. <laughs> so It's that easy. So, yeah. I love Super Ghouls and Ghosts, but the new game looks like crap. Uh, what is in your pick, or what's your uh, game of the week? So I am also have a Game Boy game this week, but it's a Game Boy Color game. And one of my favorite NES games of all time is Blaster Master. Uh, it is it's just like, it's a game I played as a kid. I loved it. It was an early, you know, Castlevania slash Metroid type game. You know, you actually got different abilities for your, for your vehicle. 
and then you you would go to different areas based on what those abilities you would earn and but it was a side scroller and you could go back and forth there was a lot of exploration like the game's great so they did a sequel on the game boy color called blaster master enemy below and it's got the exact same look and feel it's great for some reason on the back it says find the keys and kill the subhuman bosses i don't (laughs) tell the subhuman okay i mean it's kind of a weird way to word it like um you know non-human bosses but anyway uh the box art's really cool it's got because your vehicle uh is called sophia uh and and so like that's like the tank the four-wheel tank you drive and like the covers just got this really cool box Uh, i got it mint in the box of course like uh, like everything i have cartridge wise but it's just a really cool cover and blaster master over the years has had a rough go um this game's good the nes game is good they did blaster master 2 for the sega genesis it's kind of ass they did a really cheap blaster master blasts again for ps1 it's like a 3d it that game sucks ass and then they finally did the the uh title justice and did blast master zero and zero two and those are great games on the ps4 and on the switch um and they kind of went back to their roots being a side scroller and those were done by inti creates i believe or way yeah. forward yeah, inti inti creates but great game. So anyway, my game of the week is Blastmaster Enemy Below for the Game Boy Color. If you like Blastmaster for the NES or even if you like Metroid or Castlevania 2, like play this, play Blastmaster and the one on Game Boy is also very good. So hi- highly recommended. Now, um, how is that Game Boy game? What's that, sorry? How expensive is that Game Boy game? You know, it's a great question. Let's take a look. Uh I don't think I don't think I paid more than 50 bucks for it. Let's see here. It's going to eBay here. On the fly. And I don't have that one. So and here's the funny thing, too, is they did Blastmaster Jr. for the regular Game Boy, uh, which I don't have, and I don't even know if it's good. I'll have to find that out. Um, but let's see here. Go to sold listings. In the box right now, it looks like it sells for about eh, 60 to 80 bucks, depending on the condition. Loose cart's about huh. 30 that's not too bad. So that's that's not too bad. I want to say I paid probably around 50 60 for it. I got I my have, mint in the box. I might have to put that on my list to track down. Yeah, I think the US version's called Blaster Master Boy. <laughs> it's what <laughs> it's called in the US. <laughs> Is that not, So you, do you have a different version? So mine's Blaster Master Enemy Below. It's a totally different game. Mine's a Game Boy Color game. Blaster oh, okay. Master Boy is an original Game Boy game. And I, oh. I, I feel like it's not the same kind of game. But Do you remember the cheat for Blaster Master on the NES? Of course. Um, but go ahead. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> for some reason, when you paused the game repeatedly very, very quickly, it allowed you to just kick the shit out of the enemies <laughs> in the game. Yeah, so... You- boss battles yeah so the way it worked was it only worked on every other boss which is very strange but you what you do is you throw like your grenade and then you pause the game and you like pause it and unpause it really quickly and i think it damages them every time you pause and unpause it or something like that or you pause the game when the i think you pause it when they're orange when they're taking damage and you can leave it on and they're taking damage the whole time it's paused and then you unpause it and they die. But it only works on like every other boss. It's not every boss. It's very strange. I 
when we did it when we were kids, uh, one of my friends had a turbo controller. And <laughs> nice. You would just turbo the pause button, and everything would die in like three seconds. You got what you, you got to do, man. It's what you got to do. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, uh, but yeah, that's awesome. But yeah, great game. Uh, John, what is in your pickup pile of the week? All right, this shouldn't be too bad compared to yours. All right, so I got a limited run order in. Uh, so I got the, I believe it's pronounced a Tui collection. Oh, yeah, uh, for the 3DS. For 3DS, which has uh, mutant, the two Mutant Mud games, Zeo Drifter, Chicken Wiggle, and Bomb Monkey. Nice Chicken Wiggle, dude. Yeah, wheel of Um, I got Grandia HD Collection, uh, which I played the hell out of Grandia on um, Dreamcast for the second game and loved it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Return of Obra Dinn for PS4. Uh, Space Channel Five uh, VR kind of funky news flash, and then uh, I stopped in your store. Because you had, I believe this game is called Buka no Nurse. <laughs> it's just a visual novel with a nurse in a pink gown with some big old boobs. A very busty nurse. Yes. It's Busty Nurse Simulator. Uh, so I bought that. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, this is the first time I've ever bought anything from uh, Gamefly. So I wasn't really sure how it was going to go. And I gotta say, I'm impressed. Um, so, Terminator Resistance for Xbox One has been hard to find. Uh, it, it, retail, I haven't seen anywhere. And on Amazon, it was it would always be about sixty bucks, and it finally dropped down to forty on on uh, GameFly. So I I bit the bullet and pulled the trigger, and uh, it, it looks brand new, like. There's no scratches on the disc, no sticker residue from anything. Case looks perfect, came with everything inside of it. So other than it just being opened, it looked like a brand new copy of the game. So nice. if you're worried about buying stuff from Gamefly, don't worry about it. Yeah, Gamefly's um, pretty good. Gamefly's yeah. pretty I've, I've only had like one issue, I think, where a disc was scratched, but they always include everything and none of the DLC codes are ever used because they don't ever give that to the customers. So. Yep. Uh, so then I got uh, DCL the game, which is Drone Champion League <laughs> uh, for PS4. Um, and then I got a VR game called Budget Cuts, which is like a game where you're like torturing robots <laughs> uh, for PS4. I have not played it yet. Um, and then I got Atlia uh, Ryza 2 Lost Legends of and the Secret Fairy. Um, I have tried to buy the first game so many times over the last couple of months on Amazon, and it sells out in like three seconds for some reason. Uh, so if you get a copy of that, uh, pl- please sell it to me. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> and not for the $114 <laughs> Amazon. I make after- no promises. God. Um... So that is my pile. Uh, what have you got in your pile of madness? All right. So it's been two weeks. So I have a lot. Uh, but let's let's start with the nitty gritty. So we're going to start with PS4. 
Um, I picked up. I gotta make my piles here. Uh, first up is Dragonstar Varnir. It's uh, looks like one of those new age RPGs that's also like a visual novel or something. I don't know, but the art's pretty cool. <clears throat> so I bought it. And it was cheap. Uh, I I picked up. There was a. It was on sale. There was a physical copy of RPG Maker MV, and I don't. I think I I texted you about this, but you can download just the RPG Maker player on PS4, and you can just play people's download like made games. And so it's like it's like unlimited library of Chemco shitters, but made <laughs> but made by regular people, and uh, and so anyway, I thought it'd be cool because the physical version, uh, I have all the other RPG makers, it, like that they did for console, and so I I don't know it's kind of a collection thing, but I'm I'm on a really big RPG kick right now. Um, to continue along with that, I picked up a brand new copy of the Final Fantasy VIII remaster for PS4. I had to get this from Europe because they didn't do a physical here on PS4. They did the physical of seven and eight on the switch in Japan, uh, which I have, but this is eight by itself on PS4 and it's a cover. What's up? Does the cover look cool? Yeah, it actually is pretty cool. It's got like, it's white and then it's got three colored bars across like from the top to the bottom. And one's got, you know, um, squall. And then the other one's got Renoa and then it's got Seifert like, kind of all i don't know yeah it's pretty it's pretty cool like and then of course because it's it's the the spines in english which is a big deal for me so i thought that was pretty cool um someone traded in a used copy of kingdoms of amalar re-reckoning we were talking about that earlier today um nice. i don't love this game but i had the ps3 version which now i can get rid of <laughs> so i don't need it in my collection anymore i'm starting to do that i'm starting to downsize games that i don't need anymore like if i have the devil may cry collection on ps4 i feel like i don't need devil may cry 1 2 and 3 on ps2 but I don't know. I'm still fig- I'm still trying to figure that out. Um, now, the PS3 version of uh, Kingdoms of Amalur has the benefit that the new version wouldn't, which is uh, if you have a game save from, uh, I believe, uh, Mass Effect 2 and Dead Space. You, you do get, get the com- armor, yeah. Right. So yeah. Uh, okay. Actually, I think Dead Space gives you armor in Dragon Age, and then Mass Effect gives you the Omni Blade in Kingdoms of Amalur. Hmm. Gotcha. Um. Well, who cares about that? But <laughs> <laughs> but this also has all the DLC for Re Reckoning. It's all all the DLCs on disc too. So like basically, it's the complete version of that game, like right out of the box. So definitely. And Definitely make a new expansion for that game. Mm, maybe uh, if they didn't, I probably wouldn't care. But you know, if, if you want one, I hope they make it. Um, but anyway, uh, continuing on, uh, I got the a physical copy of XCOM 2, the collection. So it's actually a two disc copy of the game. So it has like all the DLC from XCOM 2. I got a physical copy on PS4 of Everspace, which is kind of like a third person space shooter. And then I picked up a copy on PS4 of Fade to Silence, which looks kind of like a third-person, almost like a survival game, but then it looks... It's almost got elements of, like, Remnant from the Ashes or even, like, a survival game in the snow. I don't know. It looks kind of cool. Amazon had it on sale for, like, 10 bucks or something. Um, all right. And then carrying on, on PS3, I finally pulled the trigger on a game I've been wanting to buy for a long time. 
but I got the physical copy of the game Pain on PS3. Okay. Um, I, I I love this game. Like I have really good memories of this. It was like the first game I downloaded on the PSN. Uh, after I had my PS3, it was the first game I bought digitally only. It never came to the States physical, but they did a physical of the disc in Europe. So I picked that up. Was um, it that why you didn't want to buy it or it took you a while to buy it? I just kept looking at it going, I probably don't need this, you know? And then it was just one of those things that was on the list and just never got around to it. Because I had to order it on eBay, so it was just eventually I would get it, you know, sort of thing. Yeah. Um, we got in a used copy of Burger Time Party for the Switch. So I bought that. Um, for the DS, we got in a copy of Advance Wars Dual Strike. So I bought that. Um, I got in a copy of Nightshade for the PS2. We were talking about that not too long ago. We talked about the Shinobi game for PS2. That's like the oh yeah yeah spiritual successor to that. Uh, for PS1, I got a copy of Tecmo Super Bowl for the PS1, and I and then the gem of my PS1 games, I got Castlevania Chronicles put into my oh. collection finally. Oh. Uh, did not get a deal on that. Paid way <laughs> paid way full price on that. What is that worth nowadays? About 180. Holy shit! I was thinking 120. Yeah, it's it's been it's been going up a lot. Balls. Um, and then never. so, oh sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I said I'll never own that. Well, eh, you never know. You might find one at a rummage sale or something. Um, so one thing I like to do at the store is I have a lot of empty cases in the back room. You've probably seen them. I've got a back yeah. hallway that's got probably a thousand empty game cases. And one of the game cases I had was for Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3 for the Sega Saturn. Now. I have Mortal Kombat Trilogy for PS1, but arguably Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3 plays differently than Mortal Kombat Trilogy. And of course, besides that has a shrink, a shrunk roster, of course, too. But um, I, I like Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3 and the best version of Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3 is on the Sega Saturn. Uh, you can't get it on PS1. You can only get regular Mortal Kombat 3 on PlayStation. So I we had a case for it in the back. So I ordered a disc only online and i made that complete so i've got a complete ultimate mortal kombat 3 for the saturn how much was that disc because that game complete is pricey as hell isn't it it's not too bad i want to say just the disc was 30 or 40 okay because complete it's probably 70 80 right now it's kind of somewhere up around there but it's probably going to go up um saturn games have been kind of flying lately um and then this was kind of an odd one. So moving on to the Game Boy games, I actually got a brand new Game Boy game. This is a homebrew Game Boy game called Dragonborn. Okay. And uh, so I bought that it's by a company called Spacebot Interactive. They published it, which is, I think, the person who made it too. But it's kind of like a it's like a side-scrolling, and then you get into RPG battles, like turn-based RPG for the Game Boy, original Game Boy-style graphics. It was made with like a specific software that people use to make Game Boy games. Um, another Game Boy game, and this was actually another box I had in the back. I had a mint box, but no game for Spy vs. Spy for the Game Boy hanging out in the back room. And I okay. love the game on Nintendo, so I thought, yeah, I'll just buy a loose cart, put it in a nice <laughs> box. Um, and then I picked up finally, it's a Castlevania kind of day, but I picked up Harmony of Dissonance Complete Mint in the box. That was Ooh. the last Castlevania game for Game Boy that was eluding me. Um, I just had never found it in good shape, so... That is the only Castlevania game that I do not own the box for. Yeah, it's it's a it's it's the art is so beautiful too. Like these games are just fantastic. Yeah, um, I don't I don't own the double pack at all, but I I own all the games individually, and the only one that doesn't have a box is that one. So I have I don't have the double pack in my collection, but I have a sealed one at the store. 
And so I think I'm just going to let that cook for many, many years <laughs> and let it keep going up in price. Uh, and then lastly for Game Boy, I picked up Lunar Legend for Game Boy Advance. We had a mint in box one come through. And then my last two games, I know I just, like, that literally was 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 games. So I have 20 games total. My last two games are two heavy, heavy hitters. So I got a, and this actually came through the store, which is almost unheard of these days. A mint in box Mega Man 5 for the NES. So it's about a $320 NES game in the box. Dead mint, just beautiful shape. Like, there's a little bit of wear on one of the corners, but, I mean, for that condition game to come into the store, very uncommon. And then I finally, finally am putting into my collection a boxed copy of Splatterhouse for the TurboGrafx-16. This game has been pissing me off to try to find one in good shape in a nice box (laughs) for, like, a year. I've been checking eBay, like, every day for a year, and I finally found one in the condition I wanted at a price that was semi-reasonable. Um, and that's it. That's all I got in my pickup pile. Just a measly 20 games. <laughs> uh, so did Splatterhouse, I assume you got the larger cardboard box. Yes. So I thought if I had been smart, when I started collecting turbo, I would have just collected the CD, like the jewel cases with the carts. Mm-hmm. It would have saved me a lot of headache and like, I probably would have been okay with it in the collection. But the first one I bought, I bought with the box, and so I'm buying them all in the box. It sucks. <laughs> it's really unfortunate. <laughs> how, how much did Splatterhouse run you? It was about one seventy-five. Oh, that's a drop in the bucket compared to NES. Well, purchases. you know, it's not it's not as bad as three hundred and twenty for <laughs> Mega Man Five. <laughs> um, and then, uh, yeah, so that's so that, that's that's it. That's all I had in my pickup pile, and that also means that that's all we had for the show for today, everybody. Um, John, I want you to give me a reminder. So I was telling this story to someone at the store this week, and I want to share it with everyone next week. But you but you have to remind me in case I forget. But next week, I want to share a story of the time I got my face punched in when we went to play laser tag in Appleton when I was <laughs> in high school. <laughs> Okay. So it's a pretty fun little story. So I hope everyone comes back next week to stick around for a story about me getting my face punched in. It's a pretty good one, actually. It's a pretty good story. Um, but that's for another time. That's for next week. Uh, this week, we are saying goodbye. I uh, always just want to say I appreciate everybody for listening, watching, hanging out. You can follow me on Twitter at GameTradeGreg. You can follow John on Twitter at DryerCombo. You can subscribe to us on YouTube. That helps a lot. Or you can follow us on Twitch, twitch.tv slash the drop rate or youtube.com slash drop rate. Even if you're not going to watch the videos, just go sub. It doesn't cost you anything. It's free. And it means a lot to us. We're getting close to 10,000 subs on YouTube, which is a pretty big milestone for us. When we, when we started a couple years ago, we weren't really expecting to ever be that big. But it's been a wild ride thus far. So thank you again, everybody, for listening and watching. Have a good week. Say goodbye, John. See ya. We'll see you next time. Have a good one. Bye-bye.